Welcome to Miracles in Recovery with Ray Lynch. If you are one of the millions of people facing addiction issues or the loved one of someone who is, we're here to help and to discuss solutions. Hope is in your corner. Now, here's your host, Ray Lynch. Good evening and welcome to Miracles in Recovery. We have Ellen in the studio as usual tonight. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Fantastic. And how is the home conclusion? I guess it would be, not search. Closing in a week. Closing in a week. Yeah. I'll I'll get my truck out of your yard. (laughs) (laughs) It it sank like everything else. I had to put the the camper out in the the middle of the street because it sank. Oh, with all the rain last week? Yeah. I tried backing it in and it didn't make it, so I didn't want to. You know, but anyway, it, all the rain we've had down here is incredible. Yeah, it's been really amazing. Yeah. And not in a good way. No, actually not in a good way. I mean, yes, we need rain, but no, we don't need We don't need this feet. much. No, it's crazy. And and fortunately enough, you know, where, where, where I live, um, I have good drainage. And plus, I, I sit a little bit high up, yeah, you do. higher up than the street level. So, I mean, I might be at. Two foot sea level, <laughs> two feet above sea level, where everything else is level. But um, actually, let's uh, talk about addiction. That's why we came on the air. Yes, first, first, I want to say um, that I'll make a comment that um, I got the numbers today from where people are listening from. And miraculously, and maybe not so miraculously, but Ireland is the second country. Really? With the most listeners, yeah. Wow. Now, it doesn't break it down to, you know, the north of Ireland and Ireland itself is just Ireland as the island, I would imagine. Um, but I would probably venture to say that there are more of my friends in the north of Ireland or, um, that are listening. You know, so um, thanks for supporting us out there. You know, Definitely. China, and you know, the usuals, China, one or two from Russia. Uh, a lot from Australia. It's it's crazy, and of course, of course, the United States listens to us the most, and I think that's probably because of uh, time. Um, right. Yeah, could be calculated on live, not on not on the demand. They calculate the the number of lives. So we have a lot of live listeners in the United States and Ireland. So thank you for that. Now, just blindly, um, I was flipping through things of maybe what to talk about. And I see this article that says, four things to consider when choosing transitional housing. And then in parentheses, it says, or sober living. Now, we do have a lot of awareness down here today about that. I don't know if it's nationwide or if we're just focused on it because we had a lot of um ethical thing going on with with sober living um but I, this article says and i'm just reading this blind so i don't know where we're going to go with this but one of the things that sets transitional housing apart from our housing options is that there is built-in accountability all right so in a lot of these places there's zero accountability it's just um you're there for your monetary value, and that's it. $125 a week, no requirement to go to meetings, no requirement to... To, to really do anything. To do anything as long as you're paying your rent. And in some places, if you ultimately slip and get high, the rent just goes up 50 bucks that week. 
Well, that's an interesting idea. I think um, they have a, a sober home task force in Palm Beach County, which is very close to us. Mm-hmm. And they actually have won some awards recently. I saw it on the news last night. And I, in uh, California, mm-hmm. uh, I saw some discussions on the Internet about that. They also have a huge problem because these types of living arrangements are not regulated. Right. And, and I, there's also in uh, Massachusetts, of course, the reason why I know is because that's where I, I came from. There is one of those task force forces in place as well. And... Y- in order for the city or the county that you live in to give you licensing to, to you know fit within the parameters of their ordinances, this task force makes you um, do your due diligence in in claiming the city or county's but the ordinance. The key word there is licensing. There's no such thing in most states. You can- well, the reason the reason why I think it, I think the reason why is because. Once you're considered, you know, quote unquote, a boarding house, which which some of these are because there's no regulations. If you use, you're putting that whole community in jeopardy. True. And if you use, they can't throw you out. They have to go through the eviction process. So, <laughs> <laughs> with being licensed and, and having, you know ordinances within the county and city that these buildings are in they have every right to be able to do that right because you you know you're signing you're signing stating that if you use and they and if they catch you using or whatever you 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 will willfully leave you could probably be defiant and say no i'm not leaving but i i know that that was you know that was that was happening where people would use, and that's why they would just go, okay, pay us fifty dollars more a week. Oh, that's an interesting concept because I know a lot of them just literally throw them out in the street with their stuff. But they can't uh-huh. legally, legally. Legally, they can't. I mean, but, granted, uh, granted you know, the addict that uses is shamed enough probably for doing it. They okay. get out and they go, okay. Yeah. But the wise guy because I'm going to go use. Right, but the wise guy could absolutely say, yeah, evict me. Because I've been living here, and, Send, and let's go through. Well, the I think you process. have to have things that where you got mailed in and stuff like that. But anyway, well, I'm sure they do. But you know, the the thing about that is, is that if if you know you're putting that community in jeopardy, so there has to be some kind of parameter or licensing or even some kind of medical uh, something or other overseeing that environment. Yeah, it can't you, just be you, you and I that own a house and but put it, people it in is. it. It is. Well, it is, but and, it shouldn't be. And they usually have someone with maybe six months sobriety under their belt running the place. Oh, right. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so... Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not a good situation. And for the homeowners, because a lot of these people, especially here during the recession, bought a lot of houses real cheap. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in order to make income off of them, they turn them into sober livings, happy houses, whatever you want to call them. And I don't know. I'm sure there is a distinction between those two terms. Well, I have a friend that um, he um, is special needs, right? So he, he falls under, like, behavioral health, right. I would imagine. And he was living on his own, decided to go on a vacation and jump on a bus to Georgia, and it didn't work out too well for him. They had to go pick him up and 
put him back in for a little bit of uh, respite in, in Lawnwood. And um, so now he's in group homes mm-hmm. because he can, he can, he's at that level. He's been in four of them. Same guy owns them. Yeah. But he keeps moving him. So, so what's happening is this guy's doing the same thing. He's buying up or renting, leasing mm-hmm. um, properties and, and filling them with behavioral health people. Now, I don't know if there's any accountability there. I, 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 I Are there any think. professional oversight, you know, with somebody who understands problems? They're opening up way quick. Yeah. They're opening up way too quick in order for that to be um, medically sound. So I guess there's, you know... There's the deviance on that end as well. So, like, there, there has to be, you know, I don't know if those type of homes fall into the uh, task force, the sober living task force. I don't think they do. And those type of homes, if they are properly vetted, can actually bill insurance, and they do. And that's dangerous. It is very dangerous. Whereas the sober living halfway houses, mm-hmm. um, it is supposed to be the addict that's paying for it. I think generally it's the family that's paying well, for yeah, it. Well, yeah, somebody is safe. physically giving the individual cash yeah, for it's, that. It's that cash. Thing. Yeah. They generally only want cash. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. There, There is a, a voluntary accrediting body in Florida. I think it's called the Florida Accredited. Accreditation of Recovery Residences. Yes, Florida Fiara, yeah. And they they do keep a list of the places that they have vetted online by county, so you can go and look them up. And there are not very many here, whereas I know that there are many, 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 many of these places in in the counties where we yeah. live, and I guess that's that's that might we might even be reading into this four things to consider. Uh, the first one says, ask what type of structure and accountability the house has. So if you call this fire, they will have documentation because the, the, this house, Sunrise House, will say, or 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 Ray Wright House, because we'll use my name because I don't want to put Sunrise House out there because that would be a real name. Um, Ray's house will have all the accountability through that organization. And you can call that organization and say, well, what about this place? Well, we don't have any information on this. You may want to dig deeper or right. you may want to you know, be skeptical and, and buy it beware. Whereas with these homes, they... You know they have accountability. They they report to us. They they do the right thing. They you know so yeah, you go to meetings. You know, yep. Everybody shares in the uh-huh. chores. You have to get a job within a certain period of time. You know they they also do house meetings where everyone discusses issues because it's mm-hmm. difficult to live together like that. So I think I know that people have had good experiences in the right ones, and there are some here that have been around for 30 and 40 years that are doing very well. They do mm. charity events to raise money and scholarship people and things like that. And I actually know somebody who got clean in one of them 30-something years ago and is still clean today. Right. And I think she lived there for about a year. So it's one of the things that sets transitional housing apart from other housing options is that there's built-in accountability. In some homes, people are required to hold a job, which, uh, duh, yeah. um, and attend a certain number of meetings each week. For example, some homes rely on 
urine drug testing to ensure that clients are remaining sober. Now, that can open up another can of worms, but we'll just we'll just breeze by that one because that's a whole <laughs> different show. Exactly how the programs keep people accountable can vary widely. Before you commit to a transitional housing program, ask about their expectations and regulations and make sure that you are comfortable with them. Know what the rules are before you get into the house. Also, be sure to ask what the consequences are for breaking them. Right. You know, that was um, one of my big questions after one or two times of going through, you know, out in the street. Because you could get, get, she get getting put on the curb with her stuff. Exactly. And and that was their um, regulation, or that was their that was their consequence. But if you don't ask going in, you only find out after the yeah. fact. Well, and a lot of the rehabs do that, too. Yeah. They will literally throw a client who's spent, mm-hmm. you know, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 out in the street yeah. rather than take them back in, figure out what happened, and step them back up in a, you know, in a more intense phase of the program that they're running. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't make sense the way that some... You know, like when I was when I was working for uh, toxicology companies, we would we would always encourage the doctors to that were doing um, monitoring not to fire their patients, right? Because not, well, not, what are you doing? You're giving them a prescription with for thirty days and saying go find someone else. Okay, so you're just sitting an addict free, right? You 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 helped build this incredible monster that's in your in your office, and they did something wrong. Then now you're by your standards, out. and now you're gonna now you're gonna kick them out on the street, and you know it's you know jokingly, and I've said it before, but like, do you, you know, does do you discharge a diabetic for eating a blood cake the night before? No, no. You, you you educate them. You have to educate them. And you them. treat them because they're yeah. probably very ill from eating the cake. Exactly. So so in turn, you need to treat the addict, and a lot of people just fire them right away. It oh, goes yeah. back to that. Because I said so, and well, it's the moral, a tough love approach, which doesn't work. Um, no, not 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 in every single case. I mean, it worked with me a couple of times, but not in not in uh, every case. You know. Um, well, I don't think that throwing a sick and suffering person out in the street, and, you know, and it's happened in my several times, and the the consequences were terrible. Yeah, unless the sick and suffering person is the one that's agitating it to get to that point, right, which right. I have. So that's why I'm saying it's happened to me before. Well, it wasn't true. like You guys are it, masters at, that at point, manipulation. At that point, as soon as the door shuts, it's, oh, man, they threw me out. <laughs> right? When I was the one that was pushing myself to the door, I had my I was back myself towards the yeah. door and as soon as the door shut it was like mommy they threw me out yeah what am i gonna do now now what do i do i gotta come home and steal from you right yeah yeah so exactly. you know it, and, and if, if mom says no it's the street and that's really sad right and but i've had to do that. that there's that crazy cycle of yeah. the uh negative justification well, of the dance, loves me the dance, and, the and i'm no good and, and and all of that stuff that just keeps on going and going and going so, yes, there needs to be accountability somehow, some way, and you do need to know the consequences. I mean, granted, if I knew what the consequences were on one of those times, it wouldn't make a difference. If I wanted to leave, I was going to force a situation 
to expel me. Right. And it didn't make a difference. If I knew what the parameters were, I pushed right to that parameter. Right. And then I would probably like try to back a little bit and go, oh, I, I didn't know that. Oh, <laughs> I didn't mean that. You know, so. But most people kind of figure that out after one or two days. And I would think in, in treatment facilities, they would be very accustomed to that. Oh, they, they, they know what you're doing, I'm pretty yeah. sure. I would hope. I would hope so, too. And yeah. I, I suspect that they do, although the way that treatment is right now, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I would have to say nationally that we're 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 doing a good job locally. We see things that, or we've heard stories. Yeah. I think it just you depends know. on the place. We don't know what's going on in Ohio. We do know that we do know that people are dying left and right, right. from everything we read. They're dying yeah, left Ohio and right. Yeah, Ohio has a huge but problem. Do know their recovery is no. Can't comment on that. I would choose. To, I would have to believe that their recovery is okay. It's just that the problem is that great. It's that big. Yeah. That there's a lot of people that are not making it through it. Right. And it, like here. I mean, as we are speaking, there are people taking their last breath. Yeah. Sadly, that's what addiction is. People are taking their last breath right now. If you're one of those people that are out there using, it doesn't have to be you. It doesn't have to be you. Dial 866-472-5792. We can point you in the right direction. That's 866-472-5792. We don't even have to know you. We don't even have to know your name. We don't have to know anything. All we need to do is be able to connect with you and be able to share a little bit of our experience, strength, and hope of where we've been and, and just what a little bit of effort did. I mean, I remember I was terrified to change. But I didn't want to stay where I was, you know. I live in the past, yeah. And and ultimately, I said, you know something? What do I have to lose except life itself? I don't want to be one of those people that are taking their last breath right now. And um, you know, fortunately enough, I, I started taking suggestions, and here I am sharing my knowledge and and experience, strength, and hope. Over twenty eight years later. Yes, so, class to twenty nine, isn't it? Uh, a few months. Yeah. Just let that resonate for a little while. We'll be back in a moment. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Like many of us, do you feel constantly tired or run down? Weight gain, sugar addiction, stress, and other health issues wear down our bodies and our spirit. You can take control of these and get yourself back on track. Tune into Living Life Naturally with host Lynn Wadsworth. Lynn can help you lower or get rid of migraines, help you maintain a healthy weight, deal with hormone imbalances, and more. 
Listen live every Friday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. What does health look like in an ailing world? How do we tend what needs our care? Join Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio hosts each week as we explore pathways to health for self, society, and the planet. We are home to a range of voices as there is no single roadmap for meeting the challenges of our times. Tune in Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific and 5 p.m. Eastern Time to expand your perspective, deepen your attention, and cultivate practices that support personal, communal, and global health on Voice America's Health and Wellness Channel. You probably don't spend too much time talking about that place down there. Why not? There's now a show where that's mostly what we talk about and so much more. It's the Womb Happy Hour with host Lorraine Giordano. It's all about your body and the magical power you possess. Guys, you might want to tune in too. There's no reason to be squeamish. Listen for the Womb Happy Hour, broadcasting live every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. Listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Now, back to this week's show. And we're back. Welcome back to Miracles in Recovery. If you or your organization would like to be a featured guest show, please send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. We'll send you an information packet on how to schedule a time for you to be on the show so we can focus on what you have to bring to the recovery community. And before we jump back into discussion of um, transitional housing, I'd like to make a, a small announcement. My brother-in-law has one year clean. Awesome. That's you today? No. It, his sobriety date is the same sobriety date as his mother, my husband's mother, oh, wow. which was November the 15th. Oh, that's cool. A couple now, days I ago. I have known this kid for 44 years. And of those 44 years, 40, he was an actively using addict. Wow. So it, for the first time in 40 years, this guy... It's clean for a year. It's funny you said I had known this kid for 44 years. Well, that seems young to me. <laughs> yeah. He, he's quite a bit younger than I am, so yeah. anyway. No, hey, that's that's awesome. And, and that just goes to show you right there that never give up. Well, and, and the, the type of program that he was in was um, a transitional housing program, but they were very strict. They had professional people that were supervising the treatment. They had different levels of treatment. You had to have a roommate. You had to get a job. You know, various things that you had to do. There was an upfront fee. And after a lot of research and discussion with professionals at the facility, we ended up paying it so he could get in. And But he was ready. Well, it was money well spent then. And, and he yeah. was ready because he called and said, I'm either going to die or I'm going to go to prison for a long time. Mm-hmm. Everybody has to get to that yeah. point. And I and think that's, you know, that's the sad thing that um, all of the friends that I used with that are still alive have shed that. Right. It was, you know, I'm either going to die or I have to get clean. 
um, all of the ones that are no longer with us would never made it to that day for that declaration. They died. Yeah. You know, and that's and that is the sobering, for lack of a better word, realization uh, of addiction. Like I know segment right now, somebody's taking their last breath. Right. Today may be your last day. If you think that you may have something um, to look forward to, or even if you don't have something to look forward to in your own personal life, this is the thank. This is this Thanksgiving week. Everyone has to have something that they're thankful for. It took me a long time and a lot of thought if somebody would say, "Share what you're thankful for," and I would say something stupid like, "I'm thankful for the whatever." I whatever yeah, I, I know, could. I know. It's hard if you're not in that mindset. Yeah. I can remember when I first started going to Al-Anon, mm-hmm. they talked about gratitude all the time. And I was like, are you crazy? What in the world? <laughs> crazy, not crazy, crazy. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> what in the world do I have to be thankful for? Yeah. Look at my life. Everything's a mess. Yep. And, you know, you don't realize it. It's just the little things. You, you know, know and, I have and, a car. I have a roof over my head. I have a the, job. Even the gratitude of being able to sit there and listen to what they have to say and kind of make some sense of it. That was one of the things that I was really grateful for when I got clean. Like we were sharing during the break about being in a halfway. I was I was in a halfway house, you know, a structured halfway house, not like what they call halfway houses now. I It, it just rubs me the wrong way when people say they're in a halfway house and they're yeah, – they're, they're, yeah, they're at the They're beach. stuck um, to the gills and not doing anything yeah. productive. But one of the things that I was grateful for, or really the only thing I was grateful for, is not not just for my life at that time, because I wasn't sure if I still wanted to stay clean. But I was grateful to have a bed to be able to lay in that I really didn't have much accountability for other than to just do the next thing that I was told to do. I did. I, I was no good at taking direction at all. I was no good at taking direction. I would say, how do I get out of the city? And they would say, okay, go down the street at the light, take a left. I would get to the street and I'd look around and go, that idiot doesn't know what he's talking about. And I'd take a right. And I would never get out of that loop. So I think one of the things that I, that I, first and foremost got grateful for when I got clean was the program that I was in that gave me the ability to be still and comfortable while I was uncomfortable in my transition. Right. Now I said during the pro during the, during the break, um, was it, was it successful? Yes, because I'm still clean. If I had a different mindset, would I be saying it was successful? I don't know if I'd be speaking right now. So, yes, I think I think it was a very successful program, but I would have tore it up left and right while I was in it and when I ultimately left because of my newly found um, way of living. I, I, I was in turmoil with myself. But I was, I, I'm grateful today that while I was at um, a place called CAP at the time, it's called Star Stanley Street um, 
whatever it's called. I don't know. I don't know what my mind is right now. But anyway, I was in Fall River, Massachusetts at a detox, which was 30 days long. I stayed 33 and went into a place called Harmony House in New Bedford. Now, Harmony House opened its doors to me, opened a bed to me. So how can I not be grateful for that program? I'm pretty sure that it's still it's still in existence today. And tens of thousands, maybe, yeah. of men have gone through that over the past 28 years and, and have laid in the in the same room that I was in. How successful they were, I do not know. Um, but I think that you need to maybe look into something or at least be open-minded into a program that your detox or rehab or whatever um, steers you towards. Now, if it's a, if it's a sister program, then no. But if it's something where I think I got in, went into a room and my counselor gave me five or six different places to call, gave me five or six different places to call. I didn't sit in the room and and she called, and I just said, okay, yeah, I'll accept that one. I had to take responsibility. Well, that's a good step too, because I was always the one that was finding right. transitional housing. For my addict and mm-hmm. I would usually try to get a recommendation from from the rehab that, that she was in mm-hmm. and a lot of times they would give me their recommendations but they were very often full they were very often more money than I could afford you know if you're charging $450 a week I don't know you know yeah that's great above my income bracket but hey it's above a lot happens. of people's income yeah. bracket yeah but you know you're in Palm Beach County there are a lot of wealthy people yeah and, and I guess you know something I guess that's how they filter the masses yeah you know so but there there was there was also no beds anywhere and you know I think now part of the problem that this, the sober home task force has been up against is they keep opening them they're opening them, you know, somebody will buy a house on mm-hmm. a residential street and all of a sudden, you know, there's trucks with with the uh, advertising on them, more and more and more of them, and, you know, right. they're, you mm-hmm. know, they're fighting at night, especially the guys, um, you know, brings down the whole neighborhood. I yeah. saw a story about it on the news, and that happens a lot here, and, and I think going straight from detox, and detox now is about a week to one of those types of living situations is a recipe for disaster, but that's what they do as well. I think we were talking last week, I put my daughter in a detox that was paid for by insurance that was Mm -hmm. in a house in a neighborhood. Yes, which is which was very strange. Crazy. That was a couple of weeks ago, but still, that's that's still. Yeah, but when you bring that up, the, it gives me like the halfway house that they determined she needed to go to after she had detoxed was a co-ed halfway house, which I think is another <laughs> red flag. You do not want no. co-ed houses. And not only was it co-ed, but the roommate was a male. So we did not stay there. But I think there may be people who are so desperate they would have just because they needed a place to go. It's either that or the street. Right. You know, because most of the time, by the, you know, if you're on your third or fourth or fifth go around with this your family doesn't want you to come back because you've stolen from them you've lied to them you know the police are always well, you know something that might even be something too where you know you need to rely on the pro on the on the on the 
place that you have placed your loved one, but you're already on your last nerve. Yeah. So when they go send them down to Joey's place, you go, all right, kick that kid down to Joey's place because I don't need the aggravation. Right. Yeah. This and is you're somewhere not, that's got right. bid, and I'll pay the first week. Yeah. You, know, you sold my wedding ring. I don't yeah. want you to come home. So you're not doing your due diligence either you know you know so well, sometimes yeah i did no, well, no I, but no i'm not saying you i'm just saying yeah, people I, in I, general they get they get like uh battle scars and battle worn from this this addiction and and this disease and, they just don't and, deal with and you just go you know <laughs> go to joey's place i'll pay the rent and and you know that really isn't always the best thing. You know the number two on this thing is it says choose a facility that has open communication with your rehab. Now, granted, when we the times that I was taken off the street, and I say taken off the street because really didn't want to go, the times I was taken off the street and put into a, a facility. If my family or loved ones would have just said, okay. He'll be fine when he gets out in 30 days. We'll welcome him back and everything will be great. But they didn't. They paid attention to what I was doing the whole time. No matter how battle-worn they were, they paid attention to what I was doing so that Ray, the emotional terrorist, couldn't manipulate his way into the way that he wanted to leave, which ultimately I, I did at times. But, you know, when it was it was family decision it wasn't a decision at that point anymore because they knew everybody in my community everybody in my neighborhood was dying and they said we need to get some kind of concerted effort here to save this kid because he's dying and fortunately enough left to my own devices i probably wouldn't be here sharing right now i would be you know, visited on Memorial Day. So, um, you know, don't just because you get yourself, your your loved one into a big name program or a recognized program, don't just think that they're going to take over and everything's going to be okay. This is a a family disease. It's a family function. You're not done yet. Sadly, I'm telling you, you're not done yet. And... The reason why I say it that way is because, yes, you're tired. Yes, you're bruised. Yes, you're hurt. But no, you're not done because the addict isn't done. And the addict needs all the support he can get from anyone. I, I, you know, when, I, when I ultimately embraced what I was doing, maybe around six, seven, eight, nine, ten months clean, and I said, I, I think I got this, I think I want to stay clean. I think I want to stay clean. <laughs> I made sure that I told every single person I could. Not only because I was telling on myself I was clean so I, so I couldn't act another way, I was looking for reassurance that I was doing the right thing. Right. Now, if my family would have thrown me into a facility, and said, uh, you know, okay, we'll let those counselors take care of them. The 33rd day, I wouldn't have that reassurance. I would only have the reassurance of the I was leaving. You can't bring that with you out the door. You can take that knowledge with you, but my mind was nowhere near anywhere capable of grasping what I learned. That was like, it was almost like a holding facility that I was in. 
until life started when I walked out that door. And it took a whole lot of time for it to kick into gear and say, okay, this may be what you want to do. Well, I think there's there's a whole process, and particularly with opioids, there there is something called post-acute withdrawal syndrome, pause, which is depression. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, your mind is used to being stimulated and you go all the natural flow of the chemicals in your brain, the dopamine and the serotonin, has been completely disrupted. And it takes a long time, up to two years, some people say, before that goes back to normal. So, you know, you're off your drug, you're off the street, but your mind, your brain, physically, is definitely not where it needs to be. So you need the safety of the structured place with the positive people with, you know, slowly but surely build into a new person. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, to me, what you're describing sounds like just that. Yeah, no, exactly. And um, I, I, I just, you know, think that it's very, very wise to stay behind your addict, stay behind your loved one, support them. You know, we're talking about sober living facilities. Find a safe place for them to go. If it's not on the, if it's not on your roof, which ten times it's not, because you're at the yeah, because you're not going to help them grow by doing that. Find a safe place for them because that's just something new. You know, everybody that I, everybody that I've known that has been successful has didn't go back home. They didn't just put it down and go back home and didn't pick up tomorrow. Um, So we can share a little bit more about that on the other side of this break. We'll be back in a moment. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Sometimes it just seems that nobody understands. There's one individual who can help. If you're living with somebody who faces challenges such as autism, Asperger's, or other exceptional needs, you'll want to tune into Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean. Living the Challenge. Together, we'll uncover a variety of solutions to the challenges faced by individuals, their families, and teachers. Listen live every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now, your baby is in your arms, and you're on the cusp of a new journey, breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice, much of it conflicting. Some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuso to bust through the myths about feeding your baby. Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. your health where you think it should be. If you're like most people, 
The answer is probably not. Where can you get the answers you need to get on the right track? The answers start on Occupy Health. Each week, host Dr. Susan Downs and her guest experts will answer your questions as well as prepare you for questions you'll want to ask your health provider. You'll want to plan for your optimal health with Occupy Health. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Do you find yourself caring for people in multiple generations? Are you exhausted, stressed, and overwhelmed? Instead of spending hours searching for resources and information, Dr. Merrill and her guests will provide you with practical, everyday information and solutions to help make your life easier. Tune into Caught Between Generations, Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Now, back to this week's show. Hey, welcome back. We were, I was reading an article about um, four. What was it? What was the name of it again? Come on, you, you're the college grad. <laughs> four old. things. To, <laughs> four things to consider when choosing transitional housing. Now, the first one was ask what type of structure and accountability the house has. Number two is choose a facility that has open communication with your rehab. And number three, funny, like I said, I was reading this blind, make sure it feels like a safe space. In order to succeed in early recovery, clients need to be at ease. That means that they should make sure the transitional housing feels comfortable for them. This might mean choosing a facility that is single sex or finding one with a smaller number of clients. The key is making sure that you will be at ease. Now, if you remember, I said last segment that I was at ease with with Harmony House. They they gave me that to be able to process what I was going through. Um, So... Number three makes total sense. Well, and I would think you would need to look for things, too, like how many people are they staying into a bedroom? I actually saw a house right. where they had people sleeping in a garage. Yeah, but that's not that's not sober living in any way. That's just bunkhouse living. Yeah, that's, but they, they, were, they were actually, I will give them credit, they were trying. They were trying. and they Trying just, to what? They were trying Break to help people. But they, were, they were bringing too many people. They were desperate people who needed a place to go. So they allowed too many of them to come in, and they couldn't handle it, and it was co-ed. So that place was a terrible mistake, and they were stealing from each other and fighting, and, you know, several of them got kicked out, including including mine. But you need to look at, you know, what is the total number of people that are going to be in the house? How many bedrooms? So how how about if we make this statement? If the house that you're looking at is on any street USA and there's more than two people per room, and there's, you know, a garage with beds in it, that would probably be a place you don't want to go. Exactly. Um, 
I, I, I know when, when I say transitional living or a halfway house or something like that, I have in my mind a structured environment with counselors, with therapists, with medical personnel. I, I don't have Joey's Flophouse down the street. And that's exactly what with, most of these places are. Uh, but but and and they they throw themselves under the blanket of a sober home and no you're not no you're no a you are house. absolutely not you're a, you're a, you're a a a bunkhouse with however many people in there and the person that is subletting it to you that has the lease because they don't even own the house this comeback said they 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 lease the place and then fill it with twenty seven different families you know um. Are collecting a hundred to two hundred dollars a week per person. You know. How is it getting you any better? It's not. It's well, and, and stay who is going to be on the property during the night? You know, is there is there staff there twenty four seven, or are mm-hmm. the addicts policing themselves at night, which is not a good thing either? No, it's, it, there's there's zero structure. Right. There's no structure in the day. If if you wake up in a home. Uh, in an apartment with seven other people and there's three bedrooms, get out. Right. Get out. Well, when I was in college, we had what they called dorm mothers. And these were older women who lived in the dorm, usually on the first floor, mm-hmm. and they ran everything. And, you know, they like were Like RAs or something, right? Like what? What are they called? RAs or something like that? R- no, I was an RA. This was the actual house mother who was oh. in charge of the entire dorm. She got to live there. She was older. Sometimes they had their whole families there. They had like an apartment. Oh, no kidding. But they ran the place. You couldn't get in and out without a key. Yeah. Period. Men were never allowed in under any circumstances. We voted to let them come in on Friday and Saturday night for like three or four hours. That was it. I mean, they they had gotten to the point where they were relaxing standards by that, but we didn't want it. And, you know, that type of accountability. And then each each hall Mm -hmm. had an RA, a resident assistant, which I was one. The reason I did it was I wanted a private room. I didn't like having a roommate. Mm -hmm. But all of those types of things can can carry over into this type of, of living as well. Someone needs to live there who is sober, who has a lot of time. Who can yeah? And six monitor. months isn't a lot of time. No, it's no. A year isn't a lot of time no. to be no. Even two years, no. No. I mean, I have but seen but, but a lot of stories with, but about But somebody with them. any more time than that doesn't want to live in that environment. Unless they want to give back, and unless they have well, enough of a a comfort space, but there needs to be someone who is responsible. But who it needs is to there be an accountable place in order yes. for somebody to to give back. Nobody wants to give. Nobody wants to live in those places down there. Well, I don't know that it necessarily needs to be a house either. It can be some other type of building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine was an old. Uh, it was an old uh, nunnery. Oh, really? Yeah. So well, it was. I think what we see here convent, are houses only because a convent. only because people are trying to make money off of them. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's and that, very and easy to, to rent a house and, and do this type of thing. But I think there yeah. are even laws about how many people you can put in a house and and, and none of that is not, yeah. none of that is being observed and it's dangerous. And and now here's the one that's the most important one. Number four. Be prepared to learn. Ah. Right? No matter how great the fit, transitional housing always be easy. 
That's because an important part of the transitional housing experience is learning how to coexist with other people. That is very true. This is an opportunity to learn to deal with other people, handle conflict, and respond to other people, which I never did. I always, I would always attack and run, attack and run, attack and run. So when I was in that house, I think there were 22 guys altogether. And you had a roommate? Uh, yeah, there was there were, there were like eleven rooms. Like I said, it was an old convent. There was no other old convent, and there were probably twenty two nuns in there at one point yeah. in time. And I guess this, you know, whoever, whatever the program was, who owned it, um, bought it and 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 used it for that purpose. And like I said, it's still it's still in existence today. I'm sure it's probably, you know, revamped a little bit, but. Um, that was one of the things I learned. How yeah, to how to get how along to, with people. Yeah, how to work with people. Exactly, and you know all of those learning steps, and every single day was a learning experience. There, one I was grateful that I had a bed, and then the next day I was grateful I had a bed, and I was grateful that I didn't have to get into an argument with with him right. about taking the last muffin. And then I was grateful I had a bed. I was grateful I didn't have to get in an argument. And I was grateful that I got a new pair of shoes. So it kept going and going and going. In a lot of these facilities today, and I hate going back to this, but with reward, there is no reward whatsoever. No, like you said, you, it's just a, it's a fluff house where you're yep. going to be until you, you get high and they catch you. Mm-hmm. And then you're gone. You're in they, the street again. Yep. With more to go. And that's, yep. that's what happens a lot. They they taught me how to be employable again. They um, encouraged me to reach out to my old job, uh, who who willfully, the gentleman willfully took me back because I told him I was in Harmony House, and of course he was he was sober as well. But, so he knew. Um, yeah, no, he he followed me the whole time. He mm-hmm. knew where I was and what I was doing, and when I ultimately. Stuck my tail between my legs and went up to his office. He was like, "What took you so long?" And I said, yeah. "I think I had to go. Pa- I think I had to go through the process in order to be able to get here and feel okay with feeling not okay about yeah. standing in front of you, you know." And instead of just wanting to numb it or make it go away, yeah, or. Yeah, or going up there and lying and doing the same thing over and over again. So, you know, I was, I was grateful for that. And um, they would come pick me up at the place and drop me off after work. And, you know, so I started learning responsibility. You know, I started learning how to coexist. And I started learning all of these things that I took for granted and just threw away. Like those were all of the those were all the morals and, and, and betterments, I guess, that I had that I chose not to use. And after you don't use them for a little while, they're non existent. Well, I think living on the street does something to you as well. Yeah. You know, that's that's a very tough life and the longer you're out there, the crazier really you become because yeah. it's not the typical American way of life to, to live <laughs> no, under a bridge. Rockwell, Rockwell never painted yeah, that picture. Or to live yeah. in a park like you did. Yeah, yeah. You know, Rockwell never a, painted that no, picture. No, yeah. that's a terrible yeah. way, terrible way to, to survive. Mm. 
And I think it's just barely survival. But you know the but the the thing is is that I'm grateful that I took every step that I did and wouldn't give one up because if I altered it in any way, who's to say where I'd be? Yeah, you wouldn't be where you are today. You know, yeah, granted, I could probably be the president of State Street Bank if I never used, right? I, you know, I, I probably could have been. But would I be happy? No, and no. would you, and would would I you even have know the, the depth no. of character that you do? I don't think no. you would. So, you know, I, I'm grateful today that I, that I walked the walk, that I, that I, you know, that I lived my walk. And... Would it be nice if I walked in someone else's path? Yeah, it would be. But, but I'm so comfortable with mine. You know, I'm so comfortable with with, with those years of not wearing sneakers in the woods. You know, because that made me who I am. You know, the the, the roots of the tree and and the and the and the prickers and everything else that I stepped in barefooted given me the character that I have right. today and I wouldn't give that up for the world so I'm not saying go out there and make your life a mess so you can feel better about yourself later um, but give yourself a break get out of your own way and and take the knowledge that you have from yesterday and make a difference today make that change make it a little bit different you know, it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. Right. You, know, you, you, when you get to the turning point, if you turn the way that Ray turned, mm-hmm. it's a process. But you'll get somewhere really great if you just give it time mm-hmm. and effort, and like you always say, willingness. Mm-hmm. Listen. Yeah, and and you know the the thing is is that people that there is somebody out there. There's no one that probably thinks I'm dead. And if I step in front of him, I'd be like, oh, well, I thought you would. Or there's the one that has no clue that I'm even clean, that they, they still think I'm out there existing in the, you know, the bowels of the world. And that just goes to show you that anyone can change if well, you get yeah, out like of your my way. No one would ever have believed, I certainly didn't, that he would be sober. If you get out of your way long enough to allow this process to work. Don't force it. Because when, when, when every time I tried forcing it, it was my will. My will. I, I, I can't even get out of my own way with my will. So with that, we are basically out of time. I have one minute left. So Ellen, if you want to say something before we close, please. Well, if you are a family member and you are looking into this type of housing, please uh, take to heart what we've said. Be careful. Find a good structured place and when you place your loved one there pray for miracles they do happen look at Ray and don't give up on him that's the bottom line don't give up on him don't think just because you got him at that place that they're going to come out and there's going to be rainbows over there yes that won't happen but but they do have a chance they do that's important and remember with miracles in recovery hope is in your corner happy Thanksgiving good night everybody Thank you for joining us this week for Miracles in Recovery. Be sure to listen again for another edition with your host, Ray Lynch, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a great week. Hope is in your corner.